Hello and welcome to the Grit and Barrett podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I know, this is a little late getting things out. Usually I drop these things on a Monday, but um, real life just tends to get in the way sometimes. Um, let me let you in a little bit, show you how the ice cream is made around here. Usually I'd say sausage, but um, I think ice cream works a lot better. And it's much more pleasant to think about. So... With this podcast, I traditionally record either Saturday or Sunday, or I just record different segments throughout the week, however they come to me. I have a little bit of a set schedule here on a pad, but usually I just tend to riff because that's the best style I go with. Everybody stick with me. So I recorded part of the the uh, show uh, Sunday afternoon, and after I got done with it, and on a lovely dinner day with my fiance, um, uh, came home, was going to work on it, and then some uh, some issues came up, some personal issues, to which I will not divulge on here. This prevented me from being able to properly edit the show. And then um, the following Monday, which is when I usually upload and market like crazy, I may have... Um, uh, um, I may have, uh, overslept, <clears throat> so I wasn't able to get the show out, but where one door closes, another opens, or in the face of adversity, opportunity opens, use whatever metaphor you want here. I took this as an opportunity to kind of redo some things, because originally, I had a nice 10-minute segment where I was going to talk to everyone about the NHL and an interview on ESPN.com where they talked about COVID and the NHL moving forward. I know, ESPN doing NHL. Who would have thunk of it? And even after going through this article, I got about a good um, 12 and 13-minute content out of it. And just, you know, when sometimes when you do something, you're just, you're just like, eh, you're not that proud of it. Um, I was just like, what did I, why am I talking about this? I don't think it's the kind of content that you guys want. I mean, sure, I could come on here and say the AHL had signed with the sanitation company and this is how the league is going to start cleaning moving forward. This is how the NHL is going to start doing things moving forward, etc., etc., etc. And truth be told, that's not what you guys are here for. We're here to have fun. I try to stay out of uh, the politics side of things. I mean, I wanted to ask, is everyone here? Good. Is everyone sober? Close enough. Because I believe, ladies and gentlemen, I think a Turner... It, a turner, <laughs> a corner is turning in all this COVID stuff. And that's about as far as I'm going to get. Um, just because it's, it's, it's not for me to talk about. That's not what this podcast is all about. If you want to talk about that subject, there are plenty of other podcasts out there you can listen to. But this is not one of them because that's not what you're here for. So... We are going to uh, just transition into the interview I had with Corey of uh, Bears Hockey Nation. A really good uh, interview with him as we just go through the the Atlantic Division and see where everybody stands. Is it way too soon? Probably. 
Do we need to talk about hockey? By God, yes, we do. Also, before we move on, make sure everyone you check out this week's Caps Chirps podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, on Spotify, iTunes, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Go check them out because this hack is on the podcast. Um, They invited me on. We talked about prospects. uh, We talked some smack, did a bunch of things, and it was a good time had by all. Thank you to the Caps Chirp podcast. I want to say thank you to Paulie. Um, There's probably Hockey Troll. I'm going to get them wrong. But thank you to those two for having me on. I'm grateful. And whenever the world gets right, whenever that is, gladly bring me back on. Um, If you're into way too soon rankings, I had an article that I wrote on Puck Pros um, out. It's on my Twitter, um, rbloss64. That's R-B-L-O-S-S 64 as in Nintendo Ultra 64. Uh, Go check that out as well. Um, Puck Proz actually told me on Sunday morning while I was doing sound at my church that the article that I had written was the top NHL news story on Google. Wow. 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 I'm just honored it got placed among Google. Wow. But anyway... Enough of my stalling. You know, I'm going to bring Corey on here in a little bit. But first, our podcast shout out this week is part of the Hockey Podcast Network. And this has a little bit of a uh, West Coast swing to it. Maybe somewhere down south. Maybe somewhere southwest. Maybe deep down in a place known as California. We'll be right back. Since 1994, the Anaheim Mighty, or not, Ducks, have been a staple of SoCal hockey. With one Stanley Cup banner in the rafters, SoCal hockey has been led by the Black, Orange, and Gold squad. Want to keep up on this team? Well, do I have a podcast for you. The Quack Report. Yes, that's its name. The top podcast featuring everything Anaheim Ducks, hosted by Carter Potts and Nate Thomas of the Hockey Podcast Network, bring you everything Anaheim Ducks hockey. They talk about draft picks, especially this past season, their work overseas, and talking about the good old days of Corey Perry and John Sebastian Giguer. New episodes drop each Monday as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So take a listen if you're in the mood for some West Coast hockey with just a dab of SoCal flair. New episodes drop every Monday and Thursday on the Hockey Podcast Network. That's the Quack Report, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. And we are back here on the Gritton Barrett podcast. I am joined 
by one of my numerous uh, tag team partners, Corey of the Bears Hockey Nation blog, is joining me yet again. Hopefully much better audio set up this time. Corey, how the hell are you, man? Hey, Richard. I'm good. Thanks for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Not a problem, man. Everything seems to be all systems go, so uh, let's jump uh, right into it. We don't have much uh, Bears talk we're going to uh, um, this time. Instead, we're going to take a look at the uh, sort of the state of the uh, Atlantic Division, just kind of skate around and take a look at some of the teams and movers and shakers of the division moving forward. So we're going to start out with a uh, fairly easy one. I'll lob a nice, uh, nice easy pass in there for you. We're going to take a look at the Phantoms, the uh, affiliate of uh, your boys, the Philadelphia Flyers, um, a team last year that was just riddled with call-ups and injuries. Alex Lyon is sticking around. they got some guys in the system as well. Um, I, 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 I'm going to go on a line and say I think the Phantoms are going to have a rebound season this year just because now they'll, they'll guys that will stay in their system for a while. And I, I, I think they're kind of strong at goaltending. Yeah, absolutely. I, there's one strength the Flyers have demonstrated, you know, at least in the um, era of Ron Hextall and, you know, going forward from that is they've been drafting very strongly. And I do believe that, you know, with, uh, like you said, I do believe goaltending is an aspect they're going to be strong at for quite some time. And I see a lot of talk, you know, uh, on social media of a lot of the prospects they have in the system. Um, a number of the guys there, you know, look like they're really strong candidates for the future. Uh, I, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think Lehigh Valley is going to have uh, a rebound season and you're going to see, you know, I think with a more set roster, I think the flyers took their time a little bit um, figuring out who's going to stay up and who's going to, you know, stay down type of thing, especially with, like you said, injuries um, affected them a good bit there too. Um, I think Lehigh Valley is on track to, you know, have a lot of stability this year. I think it's going to be, um, like you said, a strong rebound season for them. Um, I think they're probably going to be back to being a thorn in the bears side. I, I mean, you know, obviously they see each other 12 times a season. Um, the Bears were very much the beneficiaries of uh, the matchup the last couple of seasons as the Flyers, you know, uh, sort of morphed into being a, a strong contender. Um, and, that, you know, for the next 12 games, the, the Bears and the Phantoms play, it's going to be a tough one. Absolutely. Especially if we get a reduced season, and even if it's like six to eight games against them. Um, and we'll revisit this if we get a season down the line, but I'm I'm thinking this year we're going to get another one of those Bears-Phantoms classic playoff series between these two teams. Like, I, I not just the regular season is going to be rough between these two, but I could foresee a another rekindling of that rivalry between the Bears and the Phantoms. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a season, you know, if the Bears and the Phantoms play each other in the first or second round again. You know, that seems easily a strong possibility. I mean, the Phantoms have so many young guys that they're benefiting um, from having the Flyers that, you know, if these, if you see a series like uh, we saw back in 2017 when the, the Bears and the Phantoms met for, you know, the first time in quite some time, especially in the new Lehigh Valley era, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, that series went the distance, you know, it was, mm -hmm. a, that was a All crazy up and down. Yeah. It was decided by just one goal. If I'm not mistaken, you know, in uh, game five there too, uh, Colby Williams, I think had that goal, believe it or not too. Um, mm -hmm. 
I didn't believe that was the most recent goal that he scored, if I'm not mistaken. But um, you know, it was a such a such a tough series, you know, unpredictable. And you know, from the amount of support the Phantoms get, they send a whole number of fans down for a few games, and you know, that rekindled the rivalry in such a strong way that I wouldn't be surprised, especially with uh, the power shift that we're probably going to be seeing in the Atlantic Division with all the um, um, affiliation changes there too. And we will get to that in uh, in just a bit. So uh, let's turn our eyes due north as we are going to uh, talk about the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins affiliate of my boys in Pittsburgh. Um, I'm going just the opposite of Wilkes-Barre. I think this is going to be a, a sort of a rock bottom season for them. Just so many trades of Jim Rutherford is going to start catching up with this squad. Um, they might have... Uh, Casey DeSmith down there for a while, but you're probably going to see more of a Emmy Larmy and Diorio down there. Um, and they're just full of, of guys that have been in the, in the system for so long. You just wonder if there's any real value there. Um, I think this is going to be a real rock bottom for Wilkes-Barre. I think it's an interesting argument. The one thing about Pittsburgh and Wilkes-Barre that always impressed me over the years is they always find a way to remain competitive. Now, last year was a little bit of a different story just because, um, you know, last year and as well as um, the 2018-19 season where Wilkes-Barre, you know, kind of, you know, faltered a bit down the line, uh, struggled a good bit and ultimately missed the playoffs uh, last time we were talking about Calder Cup playoff action. Mm-hmm. Um, Bear was not a part of that conversation, but the one thing that they always do that impresses me is that they always find a way to ice a very competitive team, even though, you know, obviously they haven't, uh, been to the Calder cup finals in quite some time, you know, Wilkes-Barre always finds a way to, you know, excel above their, you know, pay grade. And of course, you know, the, the big question marks for them is they lost their head coach, uh, Mike Bellucci over the off season, um, uh, you know, just a number of pieces as Pittsburgh's, like you said, in, been in transition too. that. I think it's going to be an interesting year. I think it's, like you said, it's probably going to take some time for the pieces to, to come together, especially with, you know, how you, however you feel about um, the decisions that Jim Rutherford's making up there in Pittsburgh. It's going to be interesting. I'm not sure how to save, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to be a playoff competitor, but I think they're going to be a little bit better than, you know, a bottom feeder necessarily. It's probably going to be, a little bit in line of where they, you know, finished last season at, I think. So a team that just kind of hangs around the, the four, that's just, you know, not bad, but, you know, a fringe playoff team maybe if some things break right in the division. Exactly. With the power shift that's going on, maybe that opens the door for, you know, uh, it'll be a, maybe a fierce battle between them and Lehigh Valley for, you know, um, the third and fourth spots possibly, you know, just the, the power shift I think is going to be the most interesting part. And I know we, you know, kind of keep teasing it and we're going to come back to it here a little bit, but um, you know, I think that opens the door for teams that were fringe playoff teams like Wilkes-Barre was last season to, you know, sneak in and possibly make some noise, but you know, it's, it's by far, you know, more than a sure thing with those two teams, honestly. Well, we're we're gonna head due east a little bit, and if you don't know a lot about these teams, that's 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 uh, that that's fine. Um, Bridgeport, the Sound Tigers. Um, I think this is going to be another bottom year for them. Um, all they do is just harvest New York Islander players. And as I got into an argument on Twitter, which is where all arguments in the sports world are settled, um, there there is a difference between being competitive 
and being a uh, player development team. And you have to find the balance of those two. Sorry for hitting my microphone. But um, you have to find a balance between those two. And it just seems like with Bridgeport, they are solely a developmental team that if they make the playoffs, great. But if you take a look at the guys that did well with the Islanders last year, you'll see they spent a lot of time at Bridgeport. And I think this will just be more of the same this year, just Bridgeport getting beaten up by everybody in the division. It's interesting you say that because with Bridgeport, you know, we saw them ice a pretty competitive team, you know, one that finished above the Bears in 2019 when they met in the first round of the Calder Cup playoffs. And that was a fascinating case because, you know, it was the first time I can think of in a long time that Bridgeport has been, you know, a very competitive team. They had Chris Bork and Ryan Bork and, you know, a lot of um, AHL veterans. Exactly. Really good goaltending too. Um, But like you said, a lot of those guys went on to New York and they just haven't really replaced the pipeline. And like you said, I do believe that Bridgeport's one of those teams that's viewed more for development's sake as opposed to, you know, a, a strong history of winning not to say they can't because we saw in 2019 you know it was an overtime goal that separated mm-hmm. them from the second round honestly so you know thank goodness for brian pinho that was the uh yeah. emergence of him you know for him that led into a strong year this year and eventually him playing for washington which you know as we've seen is a struggle to break through for a lot of hershey prospects in the same same yeah. vein as that too they spent a lot of time developing in hershey uh, certainly but I think it's an interesting case study. And I think that, you know, I, I don't see any sign that Bridgeport's on track for a, you know, a rebound season. You know, it seems like they're probably going to be, like you said, probably getting beat up a little bit this year, but you know, they could be just on the verge of getting the right amount of talent. And I mean, New York's been more competitive than they've been in a long time. And, you know, obviously they took down my flyers this past uh, year in the bubble. Yeah. You know, um, Hell of a Pretty series, much, though. A, very much so. I mean, three overtime winners for the Flyers is not how you like to see a series go, but, you know, um, it is what it is. And, you know, the Flyers are and the Islanders are both two teams that are, you know, emerging now, which is fantastic news, I think, uh, for the, you know, NHL and, you know, especially bringing those two markets back on board. Um, it's going to be very competitive. But, um, I think Bridgeport's, like you said, probably more of a feeder team than, you know, a lot of other teams we see. But, you know, they could obviously get the band together here and, you know, ice a really competitive team. They have good coaching, um, still some good goaltending, if I'm not mistaken. Um, You know, they have some of the pieces there. It's just a matter of getting the, you know, right amount of AHL veterans to sign there, like we saw in 2019, and getting some of those prospects in there. So, you know, they're they're a team that's not too far off in my book, but like you said, it's probably going to be a little bit a struggle season for them, I imagine. Well, I, uh, as I wrote in my uh, um, article for a uh, for uh, for Puck Prize, I wrote about the um, I think the Flyers and the and the Islanders are basically uh, first and third in the way too soon power rankings. They are both really, really solid, good teams. So um, yeah, you're right. I mean, they 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 fed they've done really good teams in the past and i i just i love the makeup of both of them to where to where shut up phone to where yeah bridgeport is a feeder system but they're damn good at it and they they have not won a playoff series in 15 years um and um 
I should probably just move on. It's just, it, it, it is Bridgeport after all. So we head up I-95 a bit more. Uh, we head up to, uh, to Hartford, proud affiliate of the New York Rangers. Uh, this was a team that was carried by, um, carried by Igor last year and a really heavy four checking system. Former um, Anaheim Duck, Matt Bolesky was with them and everything was going great until February and they started losing a lot. And they were the last team that the Bears beat um, before the whole world uh, went went crazy. Um, with Hartford next year, um, the Rangers haven't reloaded the farm system as much as people would hope. We're getting a lot of high draft picks. Do not expect Alexi Lafreen to go to Hartford. That's not happening. That's not how this works. Um, I, I don't. I think Hartford, like you said with Wilkesbury, could just hang around, and I don't see a, a bounce back for them, at least to be really competitive. Yeah, and Hartford's an interesting team because the Rangers are kind of on the rise as well in terms of, you know, getting back to being competitive. I mean, I think they're relying on their farm system a little bit too. Obviously, they didn't have uh, Igor for the entire season uh, this past year. So, you know, you really start to see the wheels come off the wagon for Hartford after what was a, such a strong season for them. Like you said, in February, the wheels really came off. I, I believe they've lost a few players, but, you know, they still have that potential to be just, uh, like you said, like a like a Wilkes Bear, you know, competitive and hanging around, maybe play above what their projections are. But you know, it's a team that's again just getting ravaged by um, their NHL team being on the rise. Obviously, the Rangers uh, bought out Henrik Lundqvist, which you know, obviously changes their whole outlook in terms of goal. They're going with a lot of youth and goal, a lot of really strong youth, in my opinion. Um, oh, I think yeah. they're going to have one of the best goaltending tandems in the in the NHL possibly in terms of, you know, just pure youth, strong youth. I mean, uh, Georgiev, I'm hoping I'm saying that right. I'd probably butcher. Yeah. Georgiev. Uh, I just call him Georgie. I was about to say, that's the easy way to easy way to refer to it. That's for sure. But always like to be accurate with it. That's for sure. Right. But, um, you know, those two guys are going to be phenomenal in the NHL next year, I think. And, you know, um, obviously Lungfist is coming to, to Washington that shores up Hershey's goaltending for a little bit. The bears are very blessed I wrote about it on Friday, I believe, um, to have both Phoenix Copley and Vitek Vanacek presumably back again next season. And, you know, it's it's basically, it's a lot like the Wolfpack in a sense. They had two really strong goaltenders, you know, over the last few years. Um, the Bears are in a similar boat. I mean, you can only say the Bears were really beaten in terms of their goaltending tandem by two, two other teams being uh, Providence and Milwaukee. But, um, you know... I think that Hartford's going to be solid. I don't think they're going to be a pushover by any stretch, but, you know, probably a little bit off of being the, you know, division leader that they once were uh, this past season, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I joke about Hartford a lot, and I've, I've been up there to the um, to, to the mausoleum, as I've called it. Um, it's, 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 it's not fun up there. But, um, but um, Hartford, just really unsure about them as we're both discussing here. So one more before we talk about the affiliation stuff. And we had Dewey's to Providence, the affiliate of the Boston Bruins. Um, you want to talk about a team that's been a thorn in the side for the Bears over the past uh, several years, and that's definitely been Providence. And they've had a really strong pipeline between them and Boston, just constantly putting players in the Boston lineup. I mean, it's almost unfair and ridiculous that Boston has all their draft picks with all the dealings that they make. 
and guys just just seamless, seamlessly go through Providence right up into the NHL. Uh, my boy Paul Carey still captains the team. Um, I, I think Providence could have a pretty good season. I don't think a strong season, but I think the potential is there for them to have another really good season. I think Providence, like you said, I, I really believe their team. It's you know, it's probably going to be one of the most competitive and toughest for the Bears to deal with, which is ironic given the positioning that those two teams were in, you know, just two years ago, where the Bears and the Bruins shared the the basement of the Atlantic Division at one point in time. But the the Bruins are benefiting from, um, you know, a lot of strength in the Boston system that you know they haven't had to have too many prospects go up needlessly, you know, so to speak to Boston, you know, they haven't lost too many guys. And by that virtue, you know, they had arguably a better goaltending tandem than Hershey did even, you know, one of two teams to really do so they had, you know, great offense. If anybody would be devastated about losing last season, it should be Providence for the insane winning streak that they were on. You know, it was just unfair to them that the season got derailed and the bears gave them all they, all they had that last game of the year, you know, obviously Matt Molson bringing it in to overtime after it looked like the Bruins were going to shut the Bears down there. Oh, two yes. goals in I the was last there. two minutes. And, you know, it's one of the, I think it's going to be a great battle for years to come between those two teams because it's, you know, I, I don't know that Boston's going to be taking too much talent. Eventually, they're going to start taking those guys like, you know, Washington might here soon just because, uh, you know, they have an aging core there that's, you know, still going to be good for a little while, but, you know, you start to question how many years, you know, some of these guys have left in them type of thing. I think there's the question of, you know, for Boston, especially if Zidane Chara is still going to be able to play, um, you know, still, there's still some questions hanging over there too, you know, certainly that I think that may dip into Providence eventually, but I think, like you said, it's probably maybe going to be a bit of a cool down from last year, but there's still going to be a tough team for the Bears to deal with, I think, every single year. Very much so. So uh, we're we're going to shift gears and talk about uh, something we haven't talked about in the AHL in, uh, in quite some time. And that is the lovely subject of affiliation changes. That's right, boys and girls. There was a time in the league when teams changed affiliations like us men change underwear and or socks. So... Um, um, if you fought, if you remember a team like the uh, Springfield Falcons who were constantly changing teams and affiliations, um, there there was actually some of that uh, uh, chaos this past uh, off season during the whole shutdown thing. That the Springfield Thunderbirds are no longer the affiliate of the uh, Florida Panthers. That they are now the proud affiliate of the no longer Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. And the Charlotte Checkers, a team that's been a bona fide, certified pain in the arse to the Bears these past two years, have moved their affiliation with Carolina has moved west to the Chicago Wolves, and now the uh, the Florida Panthers will have their affiliation in Charlotte. Confused? Good, because it doesn't make much sense to uh, to us either. So um. We'll start up in Springfield. Um, are you ready for the Springfield Blues? Question mark. I think it's interesting. I, I I always I've been keeping an eye on San Antonio last season, which unfortunately you know rest in peace to them. 
you know they will be will be missed uh lots of you know memories of seeing a lot of bears get loaned out there my actually my first favorite uh hershey bear player when i was a kid was a player by the name of andre savage that's okay. a name that i doubt many bears fans will remember it was he played for the bears i think at least just during the 04 5 lockout season and when i was a, that was like my first year really being into it the bears loaned him to san antonio i was devastated at the end of that season obviously the bears didn't make the playoffs it was the last year of the colorado affiliation but i was devastated because that was my my first ever favorite bears player but anyhow um it's interesting seeing the blues transition to the springfield thunderbirds because i honestly think this is probably going to be a bit of an upgrade for the the thunderbirds the reason i say that is you know i think san antonio had a really good core they had a really good goaltending um you know I think they played a little, you know, in a tough division, I think doesn't help. And, you know, obviously transitioning to the Atlantic division is, you know, certainly no uh, slouch by any stretch of the imagination because the Atlantic division is obviously one of the toughest in the American hockey league. And, um, you know, it's going to see, it's going to be a different feel for the Thunderbirds, but, you know, unfortunately we're going to have to see Nathan Walker appear in an opponent in Hershey for the first time, most likely at some point, which is devastating for me personally as uh, I own several Nathan Walker jerseys and I miss him very much. Um, a lot of people, you know, I think it's going to be absolutely, you know, I think that's going to be the toughest part about the affiliation change for bears fans. But I think this is an upgrade for uh, Springfield personally, just because I think you're going to see um, a core come in. That's going to be, you know, possibly benefit from the division swap. And, you know, I think it's going to be an instant upgrade for, Springfield and you know I think it's a team to keep an eye on for the Bears here certainly I uh I made the joke on the line from the uh the Simpsons I think it was deep space Homer when uh Kent Brockman sees the uh the ants and one of his immediate lines is and I for one welcome our new insect overlords that was pretty much how the Springfield Thunderbirds fans reacted to it because I'm a fan on one of their fan pages as soon as the affiliation changed it was, I for one welcome our new St. Louis overlords, and they are more than ready, and like many AHL markets are just so starved for hockey, they don't care how or when it will get back up and running. Um, my other partner in crime, Joe, we've discussed whether they keep the Thunderbirds names, or do they just go with straight Springfield Blues and just copy the Blues jerseys, which either way, I don't have a problem with. I love this, the Thunderbirds jerseys. Um... I think that it'll be interesting to see how this will be. Like you said, moving forward with, with that organization, will we see Nathan Walker in a uh, Springfield jersey? Um, how is it going to look? How is it makeup going to be? It will be very interesting moving forward. So let's turn our attention due south to Charlotte and uh, the former uh, reigning and defending Calder Cup champions. Um, they had a robust farm system over the past couple of years that resulted in a Carter cup championship. Uh, the offensive firepower on that squad was just absolutely unfair, especially how they just kicked the bears to the curb two years ago. And even though a lot of their prospects either got called up or called out of Charlotte, they were still very dangerous. Um, so now they're just basically getting the same squad that was in Springfield, and that's going to be a massive change for the Checkers faithful down there in Charlotte. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's hard to say there's, you know, any 
farm system can really compare to what Carolina brought to the table for Charlotte last year. I mean, we saw, you know, one of the last games played before the shutdown happened was a, a Wednesday evening game when, you know, Charlotte was down both their goaltenders because of um, the injuries up in Carolina. And yeah. for once, just for once for the, for the bears, you know, the bears really got to flex their offensive muscle. No offense to the depth goaltenders and that were in Charlotte at that point, but you know, it felt good to score six goals and, you know, get a, get a big win. Joe Snidely had a hat trick, you know, yeah. it felt nice to get that win for once, you know, over Charlotte after so many, what feels like forever of uh, Charlotte just being, you know, overpowered in a sense. And I think it's going to be an adjustment for checkers fans just because it's, you know, it's, they've never had, and if, you know, much for to worry about for affiliations, this just sort of blindsided them out of nowhere. And, you know, while the Thunderbirds, you know, the incoming Thunderbirds from, um, you know, um, Florida system were never exactly pushovers. It's definitely a step down. And that's just, you know, the nature of the business with how um, affiliation changes can go. So I think it's going to be something where, you know, Charlotte's staff, you know, the pieces that are there are going to have to, you know, bring that winning mentality that they had for, you know, the last year and a half or so. I mean, they got to hang on to the Calder Cup for an extra year, it seems like, just from what I've seen on Twitter. So, you know, their time to surrender it seems like it's upon them. But, you know, it's something where, you know, I think that they still have, you know, the talent within their own, you know, their own walls, so to speak, that, you know, they could, they could really make that system that's coming over from Florida, you know, into a team that plays into the playoff picture, I think, possibly, maybe a little bit more than, you know, they did down in, Springfield possibly so you know it's still something where I think that they have a good shot um but you know it's just gonna it's gonna be a, just a massive adjustment from top to bottom yeah because the one thing we heard with the AHL all the time is uh they like to te keep teams close and it, it's a three-hour drive but there's not much of a not really all that closer between Raleigh and Charlotte and then you just blow that up and send all your prospects out to uh Rosemont Illinois or Chicago Wolves, and um, they they've left the door open. Um, they they've said we'll look back to uh to uh to Charlotte in uh in about four or five years to where which I've predicted um, they'll stay out in Chicago for four or five years. Realize what a massive mistake this this is. Move back and then say, look, we brought this team back. You know, welcome back to Charlotte. the The affiliation is safe. Um, so I, I, it's going to be a bit of an adjustment for checker, checkers fans down there, but they have a really good, strong fan base down there in Charlotte. So they'll be okay. They won't be as receptive to, to the Panthers as they were for the hurricanes, because again, the hurricanes are just right up the road and it's hard to get attached to a team that's three or four States away in, uh, in South Florida. So, um, that's sort of our little look around the division. Um, before I go, or before we go, I should I should say, um, I'm actually going to bring you in to a segment I debuted last week called One of Us, which is where we take a look at a former Hershey Bear and we do a deep dive into their career. Uh, this week, I threw out the bat signal on the fan club page as the theme this week was goalies. Um as we've known, a lot of great goalies have come through the Bears pipeline over the years, and I threw out some good names. Freddie, David Leggio, uh, 
uh, J.F. LeBay got some mentions as well, but one because he played with the Bears very recently. See what you what memories you have of him, and that was number thirty in Hershey on the God Mode team, Michael Neubauer. Oh man, see, I have a bit of a, a double double relationship with Newby because not only was he there for you know the Bears back to back championships as well as in Washington, but he played for my guys in Philadelphia for a number of seasons before, unfortunately, um, the just injury nature that he was unfortunately susceptible to um, caught up with him. I will always remember, and I believe we, I, I talked to you, I think either you on this on Twitter or someone else about when he made the save in Philadelphia, which was um, in a game, I'm trying to remember how many years ago it's been four or five at least. Uh, against the Minnesota Wild with dying seconds left. The Flyers cling into a one-goal lead. Uh, they made this perfect cross-ice pass, and he reaches out with his stick hand and knocks it straight down onto the goal line and keeps it out, and the Flyers wow. ended up winning Winning what was uh, a very pivotal game for them probably in you know uh, February to March-ish, I think, of that season. I want to say that was 2016. Um, I could be wrong, though, of course, but um, – you know, he's just a phenomenal goaltender. The Bears would not have won both of their Calder Cups. Obviously, you know, you say the God Mode team, and, you know, the Bears were able to put tons of pucks in the net during that series. But, you know, the play of Michael Neuverth is just one of those things that can't be understated enough. I mean, you know, he pitched a shutout in a Calder Cup clinch in game six back in Giant Center that, you know, no fan will ever forget uh, when the Bears won the, that Calder Cup at home finally. Mm -hmm. Um you know, just such a great guy, you know, seems like he's very fond of the Hershey area for all the time he spent there. I remember there was times where he played in Philadelphia and he, you know, would take his girlfriend here, you know, well after he was done playing in Hershey to Chocolate World and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, you know, seems like a guy that's, you know, as fond of the Bears fans as we are of him. So, you know, great guy, you know, very unfortunate, I think, what happened with him, you know, with some of his injuries here um, that derailed his playing time in Philadelphia and, you know, helped to lead to the rise of Carter Hart in a sense uh, with the super goaltending carousel of 2018-19, uh, of course, uh, I remember well, but, um, you know, just great guy, um, you know, miss him a lot, obviously both in Hershey and in Philadelphia, but, you know, certainly a guy that's going to be a legend in Hershey. He's, you know, who, who, how many other goalies can say they helped to bring back to back Calder Cups to Hershey? Not many. Not many, if uh, uh, if at all. Former second round draft pick to the Capitals, picked thirty fourth overall in twenty oh six. Did his junior hockey with uh, the Plymouth Whalers. Split time between the Windsor Spitfires and the Oshawa Generals in the Ontario Hockey League. Came up through South Carolina, Hershey, Washington in oh eight oh nine. As we said, he was with the God Mode team in oh nine ten. The save. Um, in the, the performance that he made in those Calder Cup uh, runs. Um, as much as we, we love the God Mode team for their scoring, um, let's just kind of call the spade a spade. The defense wasn't the best with that team. And in a future retrospective video, uh, or I mean a podcast, I'll get into that. But um, goaltending was very much needed for that team um, as well. So... Um, he did get a good amount of time in D.C. over the next few years once, in a way, he graduated from, from the Capitals. Um, his best season was overall was his third, going 4-3 and three with a goal against average of 2-8-2. Two, two. 
Um, he split split time in Czech during the lockout. Spent some more time with Washington. Um, split time with uh, with Holtby. It, it had decent numbers, but never really got any wins. His goals against average stayed in the two seven range, which for goalies, not that bad in this era of goaltending, where goalies seem to be uh, nerfed a little bit. Um, he'd do a little bit more time in Hershey before he'd go to Buffalo for two years, get injured very often, spend a season with the Islanders, and then four years with your boys, the Flyers organization. Actually, his be- best year was 15-16, uh, where he went eight. He went 18-8-4 with a goal against average of 2 That's the best in his career to that point. Um, unfortunately, what he's also known for in Philadelphia was when he passed out in a game due to dehydration. Thankfully, that's all what it was, but a very scary moment. Oh man, absolutely! I I watched that game live when it happened, and I, you know, I you know, for a guy that you already care about, you know, so much from his time in Hershey, like I said, you know, got got to be on some of my teams for a long time. When that happened, you know, you just stunned absolutely stunned by it i just thank god that it wasn't anything worse than just dehydration but i tell you there was not a moment you know aside from maybe with what happened to kale kessie last year where it was just one of those ones where you just sat there and just stunned shock even after the game got back to play yeah that that's the one thing like with um i mean i'm sure you've been down to wells fargo arena uh, wells fargo center i have too and it's it's a very rare when you hear that place go quiet and not just all, oh, yeah, you suck and murmuring. No, that place went, did, lack a better word, dead silent. And to hear that in um, in Philadelphia in that place is, is very creepy. And again, thankfully, all it was was just dehydration. And credit to all the flyers on there who reacted very swiftly and very quickly for him. And thankfully, again, as we said, it was nothing more than dehydration. He played one game with Lehigh and uh, got a, got a win out of it in 1819 before he went back to, before he's currently playing in his home uh, in the Czech Republic for something called Sparta Pariah, which I have no idea what that is, nor am I going to claim I know what it is. He got one award with the Bears, which was the Jack A. Butterfly Trophy. I'd imagine that's probably goaltending. I will not say that I know these things. But um, Michael Neuver, great career with the Bears. NHL career just hindered with injuries, and he always seemed to be the odd man out. Like there was always somebody better in the wings, Holtby and Hershey, and unfortunately Carter Hart in Philadelphia. Yeah, it was a lot of – it's it's unfortunate, like you said, that you know a lot of what happened to him. You know, he was Hopi's understudy. Um, Hopi eventually, you know, obviously became the great Capitals goaltender that we all know him for nowadays, type of thing. But um, not it was not always quite like that. You know, um, it, you know, Neuver did get to spend a good amount of time with the Flyers as the guy, and you know, I firmly believe that had it not been for injuries, he probably would have been the guy for a few more years. I mean, it took a lot of goaltenders for the Flyers to finally recall Carter Hart and you know for him to show that he was ready and Hart is one of those guys that unfortunately because of that we never quite got to see him play in Hershey which devastated me because I was thinking to myself like I knew he was the future I was really hoping we'd get to see him uh get a game in Chocolate Town but unfortunately due to scheduling that didn't happen but um oh darn. you know uh, <laughs> his first shutout did come against the Bears though so I mean we do have yeah. that yeah we can really sort of 
say that we have that claim to fame at this point. But, um, you know, that was when the Bears were still coming along at the beginning of that, you know, what turned out to be a great year they turned around, uh, thanks in part to that recall. But anywho, um, mm-hmm. you know, Neuvert's, like you said, I think if he would have been healthy, it probably would have been his crease for a bit longer, honestly. You know, the Flyers were still rebuilding, and, you know, it just happened to be a, a unfortunately a cruel twist of fate for him at that point. Well, it's and, you know, I believe nice it was... I believe Sorry. it was, you know, Neuverth even had a, no, you're fine, uh, had a walk-on try-on, you know, with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and got injured there, too. So, you know, it was just a lot of a lot of bad luck for, for Nuvi over the years here, too, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know about the uh, Toronto part. I'm just going off of the great hockey DB and what, they, what they've got, which for anybody looking up on any player or statistics, go there. Great website. If you, you love analytical data, that's a good place to go, too. Um, but yeah, he's had a heck of a career. Glad to see he's still playing in his home country, and it's actually up and running. And um, Michael Neuver, you will always be one of us with the Hershey Bears. As uh, as the great Gordie Howe once said, anyone who's anyone in the world of hockey has come through Hershey. So, Corey, thank you for coming on, man. Thank you very, very much. We'll have you on back again at some point, and... Uh, Stay safe in your part of the world, and we'll catch up again sometime. Hey, thanks, Richard. I really appreciate it. I'm hoping that, you know, sometime we're talking here soon, we're going to be talking about next season being on for sure in February, because I don't know that I can wait much longer than that. I'm not I'm not so sure uh, either, but keep the faith, man, and we'll catch you next time. All righty. Thank you very much. And that was Corey Schwartz from – Bears Hockey Nation blog joining me. Always good to have him on the show. Friend of the program. He is a Flyers guy, but hey, beggars can't be choosers, you know. So thank you to everyone for listening and downloading this podcast. Um, A bit of a programming note moving forward. Next week's show uh, might be a short one or might not happen at all because my job is having me work a usual 10-hour shift Friday. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, and I have a quick turnaround uh, Friday into Saturday, but thanks to a new company policy, that might not even happen. But it will be Tuesday by the time this podcast drops, and it will be too soon to tell. So thank you to everyone who's listening to this on a Tuesday, a day late. I apologize. But definitely some programming note moving forward. Thanksgiving weekend, I will try to get an episode out before the Thanksgiving holiday, If I do not, unless something major breaks in the world of hockey, there will not be a show that week. That will probably uh, be December 1st or 2nd, even though I will have off that Monday and Tuesday. I will be working all weekend, 12-hour shifts, filling in for someone just because it's sweet, sweet overtime, and I am just that much of a team player. So there may be a show that weekend. There may be not. We'll let you know when we get closer. But speaking of December, if you are looking for a hockey fix around the holiday season, (laughs) do we have some good news for you? Yes, it's only mid-November, but I don't care. The World Juniors are coming back, baby. COVID in 2020 hasn't robbed us of the World Junior Hockey Championships, and they will happen. All the way up in the great white north of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. They're going bubble hockey style. There will be no regulation or deregulation if you finish horribly in this tournament. The same teams that qualified last year 
will get in and we'll get more of that delicious international flavor. Some great holiday international hockey that gets mixed in with your college football bowls. And hopefully we get more of that Team USA versus Team Canada goodness that we look forward to each and every year out of this tournament. Great stuff from the World Juniors that are taking place up in uh, up in Canada this year. Um, I'll diverge more into the World Juniors once we get closer, but I always look forward to this tournament. It is a great under-20 tournament of these these kids that go out there and love representing their countries. The play is absolutely fantastic. It's fast. It's emotional. It is such... It feels like high stakes, even though it's really not every year we do this, whether it's played in Canada or the U.S. or all the way in Europe. doesn't matter. This is a beautiful international tournament that will get you hooked on international hockey. Or even if you need a bit of an Olympic flair to your hockey a little bit, this certainly provides it because 2022 is very far away until we will get the next round of Olympic hockey. So um, check that out. Once we get closer to around the holidays, the World Juniors will be returning to us. So good episode this week. Good day at the office all around to everyone. Thank you to Corey. Thank you to the Quack Report, who is this week's shout-out. Hopefully we'll bring another one to you next week. So everyone, we will see Giant Center once again. I promise each and every one of you we will see each other again. Go Bears. We'll catch you next time.